Hello there! Welcome to the International Business Podcast, a show for those who work across time zones, borders, and cultures. I'm your host, Leonardo, from Shanghai, but let's make it simple and just call me Leo. We also have a new co-host, Stefano, based in Paris. Coming up on today's episode... And I find that in the UK, we tend to value tasks and goals over relationships. For example, if I'm looking to bring a contractor on board for my business, I'll be more inclined towards uh, trusting them if they have been replying to emails promptly and answering all my queries in an efficient manner. Sometimes it's about active listening, really, to understand and be receptive of the communication style that feels right for that person. Janina and Eva created local to global a one-stop getaway for all the cultural, linguistic and branding requirements when exporting products or services to other countries. You can find more information on both guests in the show notes. Co-host Stefano is leading the interview. Let's start. Hello, Eva and Janina. I'm glad to have you on and welcome to the show. Hi, Stefano. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Stefano. Thank you. Let's get right into it. And first question we ask everybody on the show, why would you define yourselves as international professionals? What do you think of that, Eva? Yes, yeah, so I think my first step toward becoming an international professional was uh, moving away from my hometown in Almeria in Spain. Um, to study translation and interpreting in Madrid. And then I did uh, an Erasmus year in, in the UK. And then I decided to move here um, to live and work. And then obviously started a family and so on. But currently I work with translators and, um, and clients all over the world. So um, since I graduated, um, so I think that has given me the, the tools to, um, to work internationally and be prepared to understand uh, other cultures. And what about you, Yanina? Yeah, so I moved to the UK when I was about nine. So I grew up bilingual and I always had this fascination with um, intercultural um, relations. And when I finished my graphic design degree, I set up um, my own business. And then I started um, really exploring the world of um, bilingual design and really understanding Um, how to tailor made um, makes like a marketing plan or um, marketing materials for a specific audience um, so I've been working with a range of um, people for that from like biotech startups to engineering SMEs and um, global think tank. Janina what does it mean to be culturally aware? So for me it means being First of all, being uh, aware of your own cultural background and um, your own perspectives, like your worldview, because when you understand that, you can understand others a lot better. You can learn to understand them. So a great qu question is um, to ask someone is um, um, to complete the sentence, I am. And then you understand whether they say they talk about where they come from, how they define themselves, what um, part of their identity um, they associate with themselves. And then you can really look into um, how you portray that as well. So when you have these conversations, um, these cross-cultural conversations, you can see 
because you have a really good understanding about who you are, so how you communicate, how you build trust, you can then pick up um, similarities or differences um, with other cultures or other people because, you know, um, being culturally aware, sometimes we generalize things, but also it's really important, particularly from my own experience, being bicultural, so I regard myself English and German, being aware that you actually need to ask that question as well. Because I have a very German name, Janina Neumann, and people might assume I just communicate like a German person would, but actually because I've lived in the UK for so much of my life, I feel like it's a blended um, culture, really. Of course, so it's not just bilingual, but it's bicultural. It's the, the whole concept of it. Yes. It's the most important thing on this aspect, I think. Um, and how do you communicate? How do we communicate across cultures, Eva? So regardless of the languages uh, and the dialects that are spoken around the world, um, communication styles can be best explained by identifying whether the culture is found in a country that is uh, known as a low context culture or a high context. So in low context cultures, uh, communication tends to be direct, uh, precise, with repetitions, with, um, with recaps. Whereas in uh, high context cultures, communication is not as direct uh, and straightforward. It has very um, little repetitions. It's more nuanced, so uh, sophisticated, layer, which means that some languages are implied, but they are not plainly expressed. Um, and you have to read between the lines to understand the actual meaning of what it's being said. So you can find this low um, context communication style in cultures like the North American culture, where, for example, recaps are done after every meeting and, uh, and they use plain English and direct in a very direct manner. Um, and in other uh, countries like the ones in Northern and Eastern Europe, in the UK and Australia. Now, Asia is a good example of high context uh, culture, so the opposite of the low context, um, where they, uh, as kids, they are taught to, re uh, to read the air, what is known as reading the air. Um, and that is really important uh, to read between the lines because, um, for example, I'll give you um, a, an example of um, yeah, a, a case scenario that um, I had with a colleague. So someone worked with a Chinese colleague and they said to the Chinese colleague, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday at the office. Now, the Chinese colleague said, yes, it's my son's birthday on Sunday. And this was uh, his way of saying that he will not be in the office on Sunday. Um, so you can have a, an idea of how uh, the communication style is in uh, China and um, other Asian countries. And uh, also in South America, Mediterranean Europe and in Africa, you can find more of a um, high context communication style. And then, of course, personality can also affect the way uh, each one of us communicates. So it's not just down to the uh, perceptions of those cultures but um, as well as your background in terms of where you've lived, studied and worked. But I think knowing the low and high context communication styles can help you have a better idea of what to expect, uh, of what to expect when you're communicating with others uh, from other cultures. And Yanina, would you like uh, to add something about how we communicate across cultures, about something maybe that Eva said? 
Yes, um, I was thinking about it the other day. I think it's really important to distinguish between intent and impact. Sometimes the words we use might be perceived in a different way by that other person. So you might say something that doesn't correspond very well with the other person. And then someone might say, well, they didn't mean it like that because they're a nice person. But we need to think about the impact that that communication had on that person and we might be familiar with you know the golden rule treat people as you want to be treated but I think when we're talking about um, communicating across cultures I really like this idea of the platinum rule by Michael O'Connor and um, Tony Alexandra which states treat people as they want to be treated so that's where it comes into play, like our experiences um, and also the kind of research we've done so that we understand how other people would like to be treated once they kind of open up, because it's really sometimes hard for us to understand. And also it's important perhaps not to mimic a certain communication style. For example, if it's not natural for you to be very direct, then suddenly being very direct might put them off. They might think, oh, you're being, um, you know, it's, you're adding some hostility to it just because, but you're thinking, actually, I want to be direct because I'm thinking that's how you communicate. So sometimes it's about active listening, really, to understand and be receptive of the communication style that feels right for that person. For instance, Eva, you are... Uh, Spanish and living now in the UK and how would you say is the difference on what would you say is the difference on how we value tasks and goals uh, or relationships uh, between Spain and UK? Yeah so I think uh, there's a mixture of both and we value tasks and goals and relationships in uh, both cultures but it's um, a question of what do uh, what do we prioritize? I think when it comes to building trust with someone new, whether it's a colleague, a client or a supplier. Um, and I find that in the UK, we tend to value tasks and goals over relationships. For example, if I'm looking to bring a contractor on board for my business, I'll be more inclined towards uh, trusting them if they have been replying to emails promptly and answering all my queries in an efficient manner. And if, basically, if I can see that they can do the job well, um, this will then, of course, lead to uh, building a relationship with them uh, over time. But the trust is gained with, uh, with that knowledge that they can do the, a good job. Whereas in Spain, I think um, we are more inclined to start working with uh, someone new if they have been recommended, for example, to you by someone that you already trust without necessarily knowing if they can do the job well um, or if you have built a personal relationship with them first. So that's why um, in Spain and in South America, we have very uh, informal, relaxed business uh, lunches. So we like taking uh, our clients and suppliers for lunch. Um, and we are not afraid of mixing uh, business with personal. Uh, because getting to know a person really well before signing a contract is uh, is important to us. Um, and again, this doesn't necessarily mean that we don't value tasks and goals, but I do feel that we put relationships first. And what about building trust, uh, Janina? How do you build trust with, for instance, a German audience? Uh, I'm just 
speedballing here because of course of your biculturalism. Yes. So, you know, taking um, comparing the UK to Germany, I think the main difference is that um, the Germans um, tend to build relationships based on how well they complete a task. But Eva mentioned also that there is a tendency uh, in the UK. So, but I think it goes even further. So one of the things that um, Germans really value is, you know, timekeeping and punctuality. So one of the ways um, to show that is, you know, being on time and having an agenda, looking organized, I suppose. But also what they really value is um, that you, they understand your education and experience and how they, that those two things relate to your position. So they want to know that you're skilled enough in your job at the moment to take on the project. So that sometimes is a little bit difficult if you're entering a new market um, because they want to see things that they recognize. But also one of the things is um, when we talk about relationship building, they do want to build relationships, but it's more like a compartmentalized approach. So they have business relationship and they have personal relationships. And that's mainly because Germans tend to really value their privacy. So they don't tend to engage in small talk to say, actually, this is... um, this, this is none of my business and without the idiom it you know that doesn't concern me um, just so that they they, they um, make sure that they're not affected by each other because they think that the task is completed more efficiently if you don't do it but then it's really important to also recognize that a lot of German family businesses um, are obviously have that trust element within their culture so to deliver that um, trust element is really about showcasing your expertise and showcasing that you do as you say. And I think that's the really important part of building trust with um, a German audience. Of course, I noticed how different your inputs were between talking about the Spanish uh, and the German audience. And it actually also come down, comes down to what you said, Janina, before about um, the organization of time and I would and how you manage your time between the personal and the business relationship and how you are committed to blend the two of them. So I would ask Eva, uh, how do we understand, use and manage this, this time across cultures? Um, how how do we do that? How do we get there where the Germans are or get there where the Spanish are? Just generalizing, of mm-hmm. course. Yes, time is one of my favorite subjects when, when it comes to analyzing a culture. And I like, um, again, explaining um, uh, how a culture understands, uses and manage, manages time by categorizing the time in uh, linear time and flexible time. So there are cultures that have that linear time, which means time is seen sequentially and it's a series of events leading towards something. So there's always a beginning and an end. Um, We complete tasks before beginning the next and there are no interruptions and the focus is on the deadline and sticking to the schedule. So promptness and good organization like the Germans um, are more important than flexibility. And with linear time cultures like um, the 
they can be found in uh, North America, Eastern and Northern Europe, the UK and Australia. But uh, flexible time cultures, on the contrary, um, place more importance on the flexibility. So being punctual and nailing down the perfect schedule is not seen as important. Um, and we welcome interruptions. We do understand that there have to be interruptions. So for example, in Spain and other Mediterranean countries, I feel it's okay to be five, 10 minutes late to a meeting is kind of expected. You aren't necessarily expected to call in advance and let someone know that you're, you'll be late five minutes. Uh, if it's 15 minutes or more, then that's a different thing. In the Middle East, for example, an Arab will say, I will see you before an hour or after two days. And this means that they are giving you a general time slot without nailing down the exact moment. Sometimes this is because they can't schedule months in advance because of the holidays, um, because their holidays depend on the on the moon's position. Um, and due to religion, the calendar uh, may change according to the Middle Eastern country that you are um, doing business with. So it's advised to check when the working days are. And in Africa, someone might say, I'm coming now, now. And that second now makes all the difference. And uh, that second now means that they will be coming sooner than if they had just said uh, one now. <laughs> so how, yeah, it's very, very interesting. And it's not only relevant to the business world, um, it takes a long time to get used to a different time culture in your personal life as well, especially when you move countries. A good example is birthday parties. Um, the other day, my daughter, who comes to uh, school here in the UK, was invited to a Brazilian birthday party uh, uh, from one of her classmates. And one of the English moms, uh, whose kids were also invited, was worried because there was no end date to the, on the birthday invite. And I had to explain to her that we have no schedules at birthday parties in Spain and Brazil, unless you are using a venue, of course. Um, and putting an end date on the invite might seem rude, uh, implying that you want to get rid of your guests soon at, at a particular time. Plus, of course, we love to party. So yeah, no end times on the invites. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just very important to understand how our own culture and other cultures deal with time uh, in order to manage those professional relationships better and do business better. Now, uh, I've got one final question we always ask everyone who comes on the show. And I would love to, I would love for you to tell us about one memorable moment uh, you had from your international career, the most successful or the funniest or the, the, the most catastrophic episode. And Eva, I want another story because the birthday, the birthday party, that, that was a nest. So you, you, gifted us that story i love that by the way uh i wanted a fresh one from you and i'm really looking forward for it no pressure janina sorry but you know just keep up the expectations <laughs> <laughs> well i've got a really funny one actually one of the funniest ones so a few years ago i was an office manager in a translation uh, company in bristol in the uk and uh, my colleague who's english was sitting next to me uh, desperately trying to find a translator for an urgent job. And one of our Spanish freelance translators uh, is called Jesus, which in it's written like Jesus in English, but she wasn't aware of how this name is pronounced in Spanish. So her voicemail message to Jesus went a bit like this. Please answer me, Jesus, we need your help. 
So we all burst out laughing when she put the phone down and she was really embarrassed. But to this day, we still um, remember this very memorable <laughs> episode. <laughs> and yeah, uh, luckily, Jesus, uh, Jesus replied to him, to her. <laughs> and what about you, Yelinda? Oh, that's fantastic, Eva. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, mine is not um, funny, but it is memorable. And I think... For all those professionals um, out there listening, I think I just like to share this one. So for me, the most memorable um, thing was when I um, heard that one of the bilingual reports um, that I designed for a global think tank was actually um, presented at this um, press conference and it was actually going to be discussed um, by the German government for policy. So just for those professionals out there, you know, We never know what, what difference we can make. Um, and also understanding that um, we can use our skills to communicate into, uh, across cultures, but also work and you can bring different ideas together. So that's my memorable um, event. Regarding the professionals that are listening um, and should take inspiration from your memorable moment, um, who should connect with you? And if you could both tell us a bit more about your current roles. Yeah, so obviously Janina and I uh, work together. Um, we are the co-founders of Local to Global, which is um, in itself a sub-brand of our own businesses, which are genuine translations and Janina Neumann design. But essentially we help exporters uh, break the linguistic, cultural and branding barriers when they are entering new markets. So we're looking to connect with micro businesses and SMEs uh, with a turnover of uh, 500,000 pounds or under, because we believe that exporting is accessible to micro businesses as well as small businesses. Basically coming from a perspective of that we've done it, you know, and sometimes all it takes is a conversation and understanding, you know, the potential and having a, a different perspective with, for example, especially um, with a German and Spanish perspective of where you could grow your brand. And sometimes that starts with um, a conversation and our expertise, you know, lies um, within cultural training, um, design and translation. Eva and Janina, I really want to thank you for your insights and for joining us to the International Business Podcast. Thank you so much, Stefano. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed our conversation. I really enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity. Subscribe today to listen to more international business stories. We have new guests every Monday. Connect with us on LinkedIn, info in the show notes. See you next week. Cheers.